The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. How's it going? Welcome back to my chat with Sam Stocking. Hope you enjoyed part one. Now it's time to listen to part two of her story and her experience. What do you think, Sam, your diabetes management would be like if you didn't have Corey for the last number of years? Um, I think it would be even worse than what it is now. (laughs) Um, I mean, I do my best. I really do. But I have this, you know, I'm going to say quote unquote brittle diabetes um, where I adjust him on a roller coaster pretty much every day. And it's, um, it's harder it's hard to manage. And I think without Corey, it would just be even harder because technology is wonderful and great. And, you know, I love having a CGM and not having to prick my, my finger every day, like 20 times a day, but <laughs> you know, it does fail. Sometimes it is delayed. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, my pump malfunctions or whatnot, and just having that extra, I don't know, security there of, of him there. Um, it really helps. It just helps, especially for me, you know, the night times. Like I had one night where I guess my pump site, I slept on it funny or something and the cannula like kinked and I wasn't getting my insulin delivered. And I, I slept through the vibrating and my CGM going, hi, oh, you're 300, you're 300. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, he woke me up. And so I was able to, you know, change my pump site uh, take a take a shot of insulin just to like avoid going into DKA and 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 getting ketones and everything. So you know he's he's a lifesaver, really. So even if Corey is asleep and you're asleep, he will wake up because of the smell of your high or low blood sugar. Yeah. So for the unless he's yeah. had a very exhausting day, then he will sleep through the night, and I can't blame him for that. <laughs> Um, you know, they're, they're still living beings and they do get tired and everything. Um, but yeah, for the most part, he will, he'll come and wake me up. And, you know, I think it's a combination of the smell and the combination of things beeping that, um, he just knows that sound means something's up. Um, he's picked up on that on his own ever since he was a puppy too, when we were training and, um, before he could knew everything, like as soon as my, my CGM would go like, he would come over to me and be like, okay, (laughs) it's beeping. Something's wrong. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And that's something that you can train 
them to do. It's the part of training, I will say, that takes the longest just because you really have to get that motivation to wake up from a deep sleep um, in there. And that's probably the part that that really does take a long time. Mm. So I'm I'm trying to think of all these different scenarios, <laughs> Sam, about <laughs> what you could be doing in your life and where Corey would be. And one of them that comes to, to my mind is when you're driving a car, because if you're driving a car, I presume Corey can't be bumping you with his nose while you're driving or spinning around in the car. So how would he alert you if your bloods are high or low while driving? So my preference is since I have him also in the in the trunk of my car, um, just because there's a lot more room back there, <laughs> um, he barks for me and he's a dog that never barks. So he's never liked barking. He's he only barks for the car alerts or um, I have luckily never been unconscious, but we've trained him. I've trained him so that if I were to faint, that he would stay by my side and bark until someone comes and helps me. Um, so that's why I opted for the barking in the car, just because he doesn't bark naturally. <laughs> so he'll bark at me and it's, it's very loud and very shocking. So you definitely know <laughs> something's wrong. You're like, okay, let's pull over really quick or um, check and see what, what's going on. Is he ever switched off some? Like I presume he he's kind of, always on alert that's his job and he gives you that confidence and reassurance but is he ever switched off just kind of doing normal dog stuff <laughs> or is he is he always ready to help you um yes he definitely gets to be a normal dog and i don't like those people who say service dogs have no life and it's yeah, torture for the animal because it's not true i mean mm. dogs actually um, they love having a job. They really do. And that's why, you know, all these people who have, you know, my dog doesn't listen and my dog is crazy and my dog this, this and that. And it's because they don't have a job to do. So they've invented jobs for themselves. And that's why they've decided, you know, I'm going to bark or jump or do all these naughty things because I don't have a job to do. <laughs> so I'm making my own jobs and they're definitely not ones that you want, but I'm doing it anyway. Uh, but, um, no, he definitely does. I mean, I, we go for walks, we take him, he loves going to the beach. He plays in the snow. I mean, he, he gets, actually, I think he's got even more of a happy life than a regular dog because he gets to go with me everywhere and he gets to experience everything. And, um, you know, he, when I was teaching, he would come to school with me every day and like, he would get to play with the kids at recess time and they would throw the ball for him. And, you know, he just, he has, I think even more of a fulfilling life than, than a regular dog because he does get to come everywhere with me. Yeah. Well, I think even if anyone was to look at your Instagram or your TikTok, it's so clear how happy he is, you know? And I think that's obviously part of the reason why so many of your videos have had millions of views around the world is that they're obviously very entertaining videos, but <laughs> he's such a happy dog. And it's almost like you can feel the emotion of Corey through the videos that you put up. Yes, he is such a happy dog. And, you know, he just gets, he's just so full of love. And it's just really, 
I mean, it's really great to see. And actually, my my best friend from Germany came to visit us in December, and we picked her up from the airport. <laughs> and he went, you know, he was so excited. He went a little crazy seeing her. He was like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in months. It's my Auntie Debbie. It's my Auntie Debbie. <laughs> and, he, you know, you can just feel that joy and that excitement that he gets. And he really is just like such a goof and such a happy dog. Like, I... <laughs> I love him. <laughs> so when Sam did you decide to create an Instagram and create a TikTok for him? And I know I mentioned that you have millions of views worldwide. And I think you've about 50,000 followers on Instagram. You've about 550,000 on TikTok, which yeah. is a, a monstrous amount of followers. Yeah. So when did you initially decide to record what Corey was doing and put it out there yeah I mean I had always kind of thought of it ever since I got him and then you know I was busy and it just never happened and then um I was at my friend's house um and her other friend was there and she met Corey for the first time and she's like why don't you have an Instagram for him like he's so cute and I was like ah you know I just I never had the time um but then we also were in the middle of lockdown number who knows uh for covid so i was like well i have the time now i might as well make him an instagram and you know we had just friends and family following and um you know it was slowly growing but it was never really my intention to have it get as big as it has which i'm actually very happy that and grateful that it is what it is today but um you know, and then my husband was like, well, why don't you make him a TikTok too? And I was like, you know, oh, that's just another thing I have to do. I'm too old for TikTok. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, just do, just try it. So I, I did. And I, I like that you can really easily make videos on TikTok, you know, and just you can post it on TikTok and Instagram. So it's like two birds, one stone. And, um, <laughs> and like it was the video that he went viral with, I really didn't think it would get so big. I just kind of last minute was like, Oh, I'll make a quick video on how I trained him to, you know, alert to low blood sugars. <laughs> and then I posted it and then I went to a friend's house and like had my phone basically off the whole day. And then I got home and I opened my TikTok and it was just like millions and millions of notifications. So I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. How long then has that been going for you? Was that almost like just that decision you made almost overnight and then this video blew up and mm -hmm. now that's something you consistently do? Yeah. I mean, it was what a little bit over a year ago. So, you know, um, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Like I just, I, you know, I started it initially just, you know, for fun, friends, family, whoever wants to watch my awesome dog do what he does. And then it just really, it grew overnight. And actually I'm really grateful that it did because it, it's helped me a lot in my business and helped really get this business going because people are aware of what I do. And, um, it also just brings more attention to, to type type one diabetes and like just educating people a little bit more on, on what type one is and, you know, the, the things that we go through in our lives and, um, all of that. So I don't know, it's like, it's been so inspirational to me, <laughs> which is weird to say, cause I, I never thought that I would be someone 
who like makes a difference in the world and on this level. Mm. Well, you absolutely do. And combined your, your accounts have over 600,000 people following. So you make a massive impact on a daily (laughs) basis. And I I hope you do know that. Yeah. It's weird to think, you know, because I just go about my day and this is, you know, my, my life and people actually like care about what's happening in my life, which is, you know, so strange to me. People, I posted, I saw a new endocrinologist yesterday, you know, and I posted a little bit about it. And I just like the support that you get from, from people I've never met before. Just like, you got this. That's great. You know, it's just wonderful to me that, that we can connect with each other all over the world and in all these different places and support each other, you know? Mm. I think, Anytime you speak to another type one diabetic, they could be a completely different person, different job, different country, but you instantly both have that empathy towards each other because you know the amount of crap you have to go through on a daily basis, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> and it's almost like you you have an instant bond through the crap that you have to go through. It's really true. It's that trauma bonding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's the process, Sam, of getting an alert dog? And I know you said they're obviously a, a massive a massive cost if you're to get one pre-trained. Mm-hmm. But what would that process actually look like? Do you have to apply for one? Do you have to prove that you need one? How does it, how does it look? Yes. So for if you opt to go through an organization and don't get me wrong, there are fantastic organizations out there and there are some that do provide dogs, you know, for free that are not nonprofit organizations and whatnot. But the process there is just really long because you have to do an application. Um, You are most of the time on a wait list. You do have to kind of prove that you need a dog, you know, someone who has really tight control of their blood sugars and a great A1C is not likely to get a service dog because the need for it just isn't really there. Um, So it is a lengthy process. And then, you know, they have to find the right dog for your personality. They have to train the dog and the training takes, you know, one to two years. So it is a, you know, a long, (laughs) long process and it can be very, very costly. Um, and so what I do is I help people train their own dogs. So sort of like what I did uh, with Corey and, you know, a lot of people come to me and already have a dog that they want to train and I will do an evaluation with them uh, of their dog. And if they do seem like a good dog fit for service dog work, then we start the process. And most of my clients are online. So we meet on zoom, um, twice a month and, you know, I sort of show you what to do with Corey as my, as my example. (laughs) And, um, people just like practice it and train with their dogs. And then we meet and check in and they show me their progress and I give them tips and we kind of build on that foundation. Um, and that, you know, there's, pluses and minuses to training your own dog versus an organization on both sides. But in my experience, you know, you just have that stronger bond with your dog. If you're doing the training yourself, um, you're not spending 25, $30,000 <laughs> uh, 
Um, so, you know, there, there are definitely benefits to that. You mentioned there, Sam, about how you kind of have a, almost a consultation or an evaluation with a person and their dog before taking them on as a client. What do you look at or what do you gauge through <laughs> in that evaluation to, to determine whether or not that dog would be a good fit? Sure. I mean, I ask, you know, how is your dog with people? How is your dog, you know, in public situations? Like if you take it to the park or on a walk, is your dog fearful? Is your dog confident? Um, a big thing is you need a confident dog. Um, definitely has to be food motivated. I will never recommend training a dog for service dog work if it's not food motivated. Um, those kind of things, you know, personality wise, is your dog super hyper? Are they calm? Um, those are kind of things that you really want to look for. And, you know, oftentimes people are like, well, it's a puppy. Of course they're hyper. And I'm like, well, there's, you know, Corey was a puppy too. And he was still excitable and everything, but overall I would have called him very calm. <laughs> um, he always has been. So, you know, there's just things that you kind of want to look for and, I also ask them to like, show me their dog. Okay. Play with your dog. And I kind of pick up on things there that I can see from what the dog is doing and how they're interacting with their person. If their dog is going to be, you know, a good candidate or not. For anyone, Sam, that might think, oh, I'm a bit apprehensive or reluctant to train my dog because I don't want them, like you said, to be a quote unquote alert dog or service dog rather than just my dog. What would you say to anybody who has that apprehension? Okay. Um, so they're nervous about like the training process, I guess. Um, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I've never encountered that. I think most people are really excited and it's more so that I have to be, you know, the bearer of bad news and say, well, honestly, like I don't think your dog has what it takes, you know, and that's sort of more, I think, a disappointment for people. Um, what I think most people run into with training their own dog is just finding the time. Um, it is, you know, it's a process and it is time consuming. And, um, you know, everyone has work and families and life goes on and things happen and you don't just end up having the time to train your dog. And I think that's kind of where most of the hiccups and hesitations are. Um, but otherwise I think, you know, people who really want this to happen will make it happen. And I'm, I'm always there to support them too. If anytime someone has a question, you know, they email me, they text me, whatever. I'm always there to answer any kind of concern that they have. Um, you know, I, I want people to succeed and I want their dogs to succeed. So that's like, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> so let's say you get past the evaluation. We've got the all clear from you, Sam. My dog is going to make it into the program from the start. What sort of practical advice would you offer to a beginner? What would you start with? Sure. Um, we always start with, you know, making your scent samples, um, doing scent training games, um, just making training really fun. Uh, and it's nothing that's too difficult, I guess, even for someone, you know, this is what their first dog maybe even um we just do really basic 
basic things just to start with, to start getting that foundation down, um, you know, and playing those scent games. Like I have, you know, it's like, I call it hide and seek. So you take your scent sample and you hide it somewhere and then the dog has to find it. And when they find it, they get, you know, a really good treat and stuff like that. That's really, you know, it's fun for the dog. It's fun for you. And it, it gets you kind of going and a little bit more confident in training your dog. Um, especially when you start seeing that they really are finding (laughs) the scent sample. So people are like, Oh, but I really don't think that it smells. And I'm like, it does trust me. me. (laughs) You'll see. (laughs) I can't smell my own sweat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They will find it. Um, you know, and just being supportive of people who, who need, the extra support, you know, um, I'm always happy to be there and, you know. So how long then typically would you expect, let's say a new client on average to, to sign up with you and start working with you and obviously their dog, what's almost the average or expected time a dog will be a quote unquote normal dog to then being an effective alert dog? Um, well, I guess training for service dogs just in general does take one to two full years, but that's, you know, including them going out in public and being able to alert with all of the distractions that are going on. Um, in that kind of, kind of those situations. Um, but that being said, you know, it depends on how much time and effort you have and you're putting into the training. If you're someone who just doesn't have the time and just does five minutes a day here and there, you know, it's going to take you a lot longer Mm. um, to get your dog trained or your dog might just not even get trained just because it's so inconsistent. Um, I have a client that I've been working with for, I don't know, seven, eight months now, and his dog is already alerting him on his own a lot, like in most situations, but he's very dedicated to the training. He does it every day. Um, you know, so there's, it's really depends on you and your relationship with your dog and how much time and effort you have to put into the training. Um, and it's about that consistency, like dogs need that reinforcement. And even with Corey, like he does all of these things on his own, which is fantastic, but I do still practice training with him just to keep him, you know, refreshed, keep him motivated, keep him on his toes. Um, Oftentimes what'll happen is people will get a service dog from an organization and the dog will alert for several months or maybe even a year, and then they'll just stop. Hmm. And they stop because they don't have that constant training reinforcement. So even if a dog is fully trained, they still need that you know, training practice, that engagement with you that makes it fun and like a game and um, exciting. And that get, that just keeps their motivation going, you know? As you say, if they have motivation for food, it's, it's probably a, a good way to, to keep them consistent with it. Yes. Sam, do you ever <laughs> feel like dogs are, or can dogs be too far gone in the sense that they can't be trained after a certain amount of time or a certain age that they might reach? Yeah. So I don't recommend starting training after the age of two. And that's really pushing it just because, you know, how lengthy the training process is. And um, at some point, service dogs retire, right? You know, they, 
their alerts start stop being as accurate. You know, they get old, just like we get old. You know, <laughs> like they and they unfortunately, that's the one thing that sucks about dogs is they don't live as long as we do. So, you know, um, every service dog is different, but they do tend to retire between the ages of like seven, eight, nine. Um, just because they do start missing alerts, they stop, you know, having that extra motivation to get up and whatnot, just because they're getting old, you know, so there is that age factor for sure, where I say two is really the maximum, because by the time you're done, say it takes you two years, your dog is four, they're going to work for what, maybe three years. So, you know, um, that's always something to consider. And, I don't recommend any dog that has had trauma or that has a fear of something just because even if it seems like they get over their fear, but what if you're in public and then they're triggered by something that you don't even notice and then your dog, you know, freaks out or your dog just stops alerting. Um, So you really need to make sure your dog is that happy, confident dog that doesn't have any, any kind of fear stuff going on. Yeah, I and that kind of ruins my chances then because my dog's ten years old, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not going to happen. But she's absolutely motivated by food. That's that's one thing that would work in her favor. But she's obviously too old at this stage, unfortunately. Right. Sam, what do you think you would be doing if you weren't doing what you do now? Would you still be in teaching? Do you feel? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I. I think everything happens for a reason. And I think, um, you know, Corey and everything with social media that like exploded for me, I think it all happened because this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to say because I, I mean, I like teaching, but I was just learning to, I, it could have just been the place I was working at, but I was just becoming very discouraged in the profession. So I was already kind of thinking about doing something else. <laughs> and then this just kind of fell into my lap. And I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want to do. And why not do it? You know, like there's nothing stopping me. And I think that's my advice for people is if you have a dream, you should follow it and do what you can. Because if you're not happy in your job, then you're not really going to have such a great quality of life, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think you spend enough time working. It's in our best interest, if possible, to enjoy what we do, because I know it's a cliche thing to say, but if you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) from this conversation we've had already, Sam, it's quite clear how passionate and how much (laughs) you love your job, how, how passionate you are about your job. I mean, dogs are great. And I just love working with people and, and their dogs. And, you know, I do diabetes training and regular dog training and all of it is just, it's so rewarding. You know, I mean, it's just, there's nothing like going to a new client's house and you open the door and like, there's this, like little wiggly butt happy to see you. you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> this is wonderful. So, Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that I noticed from your website because I was looking at the testimonials that that you have mm-hmm. and some of, some of them that you have up on the website. It's like different people from different countries with different dogs, yeah. but all have an amazing experience and all right. 
seem to kind of make that bond with their dog even more lovable than it already is with yes. based off the experience that they've had with you which which is an amazing thing and obviously you're helping people have a similar relationship with their dog as you do with Corey which mm-hmm. is a, a gift in itself yeah it really is <laughs> so I think that leads me nicely Sam to the last question I have for you And the last question I have for you is, if you had the opportunity to thank diabetes for something, what would that be? Um, So I know you always always ask this, and I was actually thinking about it listening to your podcast a couple times. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I would like to thank diabetes for for giving me Corey. Um, I think... With all of the challenges that this disease has, if I didn't have it, then I never would have had Corey in my life. So that's something that I am really grateful for. <laughs> hmm. And that's something I would I would thank diabetes for. I love it. As you say, you feel like you're exactly where you're supposed to be doing exactly what you're supposed to do, which is a, an amazing thing. So thank you so much for coming on, Sam. I really appreciate it. I'm delighted that we finally had this chat because I have been told by many people (laughs) to get you on the podcast. So I'm delighted we were on and I'm delighted we got to connect like this. So thanks for your time. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And before I let you go, Sam, where can people find out more about you, more about Corey, your social platforms, your programs, and even your website, if somebody wants to work with you? Yeah, if you go, uh, the best way is Instagram. So if you go Corey the canine, um, it's K-O-R-E-Y, the, and then K-9 spelled out, but also with a K. <laughs> um, you'll find it. It's right there. And from there, I have my website linked. Um, and that's probably one of the better ways to get in touch with me is either Instagram message or if you go uh, on my website directly, you can find all of my information and, you know, training prices, what's offered, all of that stuff. Um, we do have a Facebook and we have a TikTok. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not the best at getting back to people on TikTok. <laughs> uh, but I think that platform isn't set up very well for communicating anyways. So yeah, Instagram, Facebook, or my website are the best. Well, I'm not overly surprised that you're not the best at getting back to people on TikTok because you have about <laughs> 550,000 people <laughs> following you. So not ideal to be trying to message that many people right but yeah. we'll have all the links to sam and Corey below make sure you check her out make sure you check Corey out if you haven't followed them on the social platforms make sure you do if you're having a bad day if your blood sugars are causing you any sort of issues <laughs> Corey will cheer you up that's a guarantee yeah. all right sam thank you so much i appreciate your time Thank you so much, Owen. Take care. Another big, big thank you to Sam for coming on. I really enjoyed that chat and I was really looking forward to that for the whole week leading up to that episode because it was a bit different to what we're used to. And I love speaking to people about a topic I know nothing about. And that's kind of the beauty of the podcast for you, I hope, but also from a personal standpoint, because we both can always learn something new by listening to these guests. And I think the fact that I knew nothing about it prior to this episode and prior to speaking to Sam 
was perfectly outlined <laughs> by the fact that all I knew about diabetic alert dogs was that they essentially notified you when you were high or low. And it's funny to think now that I had originally thought that a dog's smell was so acute and so accurate that they actually smelled the difference of the glucose in your blood, which in hindsight, after recording this episode, was a very silly and and stupid thing to think. So again, the beauty of the podcast is that it sheds some light on topics that we know nothing about. So I really, really enjoyed that episode. And again, a massive thank you to Sam. If you are somebody who has a dog and you have been or are now after this podcast considering training your dog to be an alert dog, definitely reach out to Sam. She really knows her stuff. You can tell by the podcast. She's an expert at what she does. She loves what she does. And the results and testimonials speak for themselves on her website. So if you haven't checked out her website, if you haven't checked out her social media accounts, make sure you do. They'll be linked below. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. And thank you for your ears because you showing up each week, each month, even each day, depending on how much you listen to the podcast, helps the podcast and keeps it alive. So we appreciate your support. We appreciate your engagement. And if you appreciate the podcast, which I hope you do, consider rating the podcast, consider commenting on the podcast, or consider sharing the podcast with somebody you feel that would benefit from listening to the podcast. If you are now listening to 104 episodes, that proves and indicates that you have been able to benefit. So there might be somebody in your life that might be able to benefit from too. So please share and we will chat to you next week. Until then, have a good day. Have a good week. Look after your blood sugars. Take it easy.